0: I'd like to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. I'm Pastor Otis Barnett of Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. We are doing a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. One of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is the presence and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God we believe that God is calling all of us to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit and our prayer for you is that God will move powerfully as you apply these principles to your everyday life if you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church please visit us at our website at Inverness Calvary Well, I'm going to begin today a series that's going to run throughout the the month of September on the subject, the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the subject of the Holy Spirit because there is no subject, I believe, in Christianity that is more misunderstood than the subject of the Holy Spirit. There seems to be a lot of confusion about who He is and how He operates. And I want to give you some clear teaching and, 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 and some, some clear biblical basis for interaction with the Holy Spirit. Now, the the platform or the springboard for this uh, uh, for this series simply found in Romans chapter eight verse fourteen, which tells us the distinguishing mark of a believer. Listen to these words. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now listen, sons and daughters, those who have placed faith in Christ, you ought to have the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding you leading you and in operation in your daily life now unfortunately there's been a lot of a lot of things that that have been said out there you know it's like i just got born again and it just seems like you know i don't hear god or i don't i don't i i i i don't know how to operate or i don't know how how this is supposed to work for me listen The only uh, status you need to achieve in the kingdom in order to hear God and interact with the Holy Spirit is sheep status. You just have to become a sheep that is in his fold. Because Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 27, he says, my sheep know my voice and another voice they won't follow. And unfortunately, we've, as a church, not talked enough about the Holy Spirit, so people can come, become familiar with the voice they are supposed to follow. So we follow all kinds of voices. We follow political voices and social justice voices and, and whatever voice happens to be in front of us on, on our Facebook, we follow that voice instead of the one voice that is supposed to be this distinguishing mark of every believer The voice of the Lord, the person of the Holy Spirit. Just for the sake of clarity, because there's some things that I want to say right up front, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Theologically, you would say that there are three members of the Trinity there is one God with very, three very distinct uh, manifestations or uh, how God operates, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, in many churches, um, the, the Trinity is kind of treated like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. It's true. Or it's God the Father, God the Son, and We don't talk we don't we don't we don't talk about him here we don't, we don't talk about him here because if we do he starts moving and we just can't control him but here's here's what you need to understand the Holy Spirit is God oh listen to this glorious verse second Corinthians 3:17 now the Lord is the spirit who is the lord the holy spirit is the lord now you can't get any more clear than that in scripture that the holy spirit is god now we love to quote the last part of this verse for where the and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty that is so good that ought to make you hungry for the presence of the holy spirit that liberty shows up that chains break and like we mentioned earlier addictions fall off patterns stop when the presence of the holy spirit comes now we're going to be diving into this topic of the Holy Spirit all the month of September and all this month. And today I want to speak to you this message called the Holy Spirit, the person. Holy Spirit, the person. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. We're going to begin there. I want you to able to see this in a scriptural light. Holy Spirit, the person. If you do have the Bible app, you can actually launch the Bible app and go to our live event uh, right there. All of these notes will be right there. You can actually uh, uh, take notes on your phone and, uh, and and save it accordingly. So if you do have uh, the Bible app, you can launch it and and follow along there. Otherwise, just follow along in the Scriptures and and, and uh, jot down the notes as the Lord leads. John chapter 14, verse 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I, this is Jesus speaking, will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you Forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I want you to notice today the words that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit in this passage. He says, He says this, that He may abide with you forever. He calls Holy Spirit, he. And it says of, of the world, not knowing him, it says that they neither see him or know him. And then it says this profound statement, you know him. Which says to us, in, in a time where many people in the church do not know the person of the Holy Spirit, that it is available for you to know the person of the Holy Spirit. You know him, Jesus says, and you can know him in increasing measure. And notice what it says, he dwells with you. This is what he told them at this point. There's a reason why Jesus used those words, because this is before the cross. And before the cross, the Spirit would be with the people. And then Jesus says, and he will be in you. See, the Holy Spirit wanted to come back into us, but had not been doing that since the garden Except with prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets, pre- priests, and kings, the Spirit of God will come and rest upon them. Jesus said that He will be in you. What, what does that mean? After the cross, after the payment for our sin was made, after we had been washed and made clean, we are now a vessel that is able to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened after Jesus was raised from the dead. He looks into the eyes of fearful disciples and the scripture says he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. That is when they got born again or born of the Spirit. But then there was Acts 2, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on you could be born again and still experience Acts 2, which is exactly what happened to them. They had received the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed upon them, but then there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And Jesus came and sent His Spirit into that upper room, and something like fire came and sat on each one of them. And they began to speak in languages that they did not know naturally. And God literally baptized them in the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about that too in John chapter 7, verse uh, 37 and 38. He said, out of your innermost being, out of your belly, shall flow rivers or streams of living water. Jesus spoke this concerning the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified in heaven. Now listen, all of this to be said, we're talking about Holy Spirit the person. Do you have streams of the person of Holy Spirit flowing out of your life? Church, we have to take inventory and say, if we don't have Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, and flowing through us, then we've got some growing to do. And it's not God's fault. It's it's us positioning ourselves by faith to receive all that God has offered to us who believe. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person. Why is this important? Here's why it's important. You never develop a relationship with an it. You never develop a relationship with an it. Now, there are people who try. They love trees. They hug trees. But the trees don't talk back. They try to talk nice to the tree. The tree just keeps being a tree. It's not much of a relationship. Some of you may have gardens. You might talk to your tomatoes. Amen, whatever, bless them. But they're not not talking back. They're great on salads. But, you know, uh, you cannot have a relationship with an it. You can have a relationship with a person. And you need to understand today the Holy Spirit is a... Person. You say, Pastor Otis, you know, what? All right, we got this. This is pretty basic. You need to understand there are entire movements. There there's one a stone's throw away from our church that boldly declares every single week that the Holy Spirit isn't it. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that that the Holy Spirit is simply a force or a power. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is a person, and we're going to see it today from God's Word, and it's going to become very clear that we're not going to stand with that false doctrine or something that is not biblical about the Holy Spirit. Now, first thing I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit is a person because He has a will. He has a will. The Spirit has a will. Uh, Acts chapter Uh, 16. These are powerful words. It says, now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They had come to Mysia and they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I I, I want you to understand something. Uh, Many of you are familiar with, the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That there is this blanket, uh, broad instruction to all of the church to go and preach the gospel. And yet, right here in Acts 16, not one time, but two times, God forbids the preaching of a gospel in a region. say, you're messing with me now. Well, here's what you do need to know, that eventually the gospel was preached in Asia. You say, how do you know that? Because the largest uh, church of the early age was developed there in a place called Ephesus. There was a letter written to them called the book of Ephesians by the apostle Paul, who would plant his spiritual son Timothy there, who would pastor, something. 50,000 people in Ephesus and in that region. It becomes the largest work. According uh, to tradition, Jesus' mom attended church there, Mary. So eventually the gospel gets preached there and it explodes. But the Holy Spirit demonstrated his own will and spoke that will to Paul and said, don't preach the gospel there. And then he told him exactly what his will was. Go to Macedonia and preach. Several years ago, as a youth pastor, I heard that same call, go to Macedonia and preach. I did not know that Macedonia today is one of the least evangelized countries in Europe i did not know i had no contacts in macedonia i just had to start knocking on doors and then all of a sudden uh, i'm i'm standing with a group of of young people from this church at the national youth gathering which wasn't very big preaching the gospel in macedonia there's nothing like living in the will of god but the number one question that i get as a pastor is is god what uh, Pastor, what is the will of God for my life? Just tell me. Uh, Can you imagine? Guys, if you wanted to propose to a girl... And you sent your friend to do it, how that would go? That's actually kind of what that's like when you come to me and say, just tell me what the will of God is for my life. God, most of the time, is saying, um, Tell him I want to talk to them directly. (laughs) Yeah, he wants to talk to you. (laughs) Through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what you need to understand. Um, uh, The general will of God is found in his word. Oh man, stay close to the Word, man. It's God breathed. If you ever want to feel God's hot breath on your face, get into God's Word. It is given by inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit. The person moved on men of old, and they penned these words. And it, it's 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 40, uh, 40 different writers over sixteen hundred different uh, over sixteen hundred years, and and perfectly synchronized, perfectly penned. It's amazing. That's the general will of God. Guys in the room, you need to understand that marriage was set by God, for instance, in the garden in Genesis, between one man and one woman. That's awesome that God shows us that the general will of God is that one man and one woman should be married. But if you're searching the scriptures on who to marry, you won't find it there. But what you will find is the presence of a God who will speak to you. You see, the general will of God is revealed through His Word. But the specific will of God is revealed by His voice through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a will and He wants to speak to you. You can hear Him. You are built to hear God. It is not weird. Unfortunately, there are people who who stand in pulpits week after week and say, yeah, people are weird when they say they hear God. The Bible just calls those people believers. It's not weird. Why are we filling churches with people who can't hear God? Those are not called Christians. It's maybe a harvest field, that's awesome people who still need to get born again, but you are built to hear God. You can't hear Him. You will hear Him when you begin to know He's a person. He has a will. Now secondly, He has a mind. He has a mind. These are descriptions of what actually make for a person. Not only does He have a will, but He has a mind. And in John chapter 16... Jesus, saying these words again, uh, speaks some very powerful words to us. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak uh, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Let me put it to you this way. If the spirit will guide you, that means he knows the way. He said, he will guide you into all truth. He cannot guide you where he has not been and what he does not know. He has a mind and it is filled with exactly where to take you and how to guide you. The person of the Holy Spirit will guide you because he knows the way. If the Spirit will speak to you according to this scripture, it means he knows what to say. He knows what to say to you. He knows what words to release you, release to you so that you begin to walk in the liberty and walk in the calling that He has for each one of you. He knows what to say. And if the Spirit will tell you things to come, it means He knows the future. He knows the future. How many of us are asking Him though, Holy Spirit, show me things to come. We just don't know Him in that way. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Now, um, there are three words um in theology kind of describe God. And they all begin with omni. One is omnipotent, means that God is all powerful. And he is all powerful. Um Uh, There is another that says that God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere at all times. But there is another one that says that God is omniscient. Now omniscient is the combination of two words, omni, which means all, and science, which means knowledge. Knowledge. And when you get born again, the God with all knowledge moves into you. The Scripture says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The God of all knowledge moves into you. He has a mind and it is filled with knowing everything. Everything you need to know. About life, how to live godly, what to do, how to respond, how to deal with that boss at work, how to reach out to that co-worker that doesn't know him, what to do in this situation or that, how to to lead a church. Here's how you lead a church on your face, on your knees, saying, God, please show me what to do. By the way, you should lead. Your home that way. You should you should you should lead on your job that way. God, show me what to do because you know. Um uh, interesting thought. You know, Einstein had an had an IQ of I think it was like uh, 209. I think that's what his IQ was, which is uh, slightly higher than mine. <laughs> There may be three digits difference. Um, um, I'm not sure. Um, But uh, in in all of his brilliance and intelligence, um, uh, you you need to understand, uh, God doesn't have an IQ. See, uh, IQ stands for intelligence quotient. That means that there must be some way to measure its deficiency. And God knows all. He knows everything. I pray that just the revelation that God knows everything, the person of the Holy Spirit knows everything, creates a hunger in you to talk to Him, to walk with Him, to begin to ask Him things that you have not asked in a long time. Holy Spirit, illuminate my mind. Show me. How to live? Listen, I pray over my kids before they go to school. I say, God make their brains ten times, ten times better. Ten times better. The Hebrew, the Hebrew uh, young men in the time of Babylon that ran with David. It says the scripture says that they their their wisdom was ten times better. Why? Because it was connected to the spirit of God. Why? Because God has a mind and it's filled with all knowledge and that mind. In us is the person of the Holy Spirit. You have access. Woo! Man, that's good preaching. Come on. Give that guy a white hanky. I need somebody in here excited. Amen. Listen, wisdom is demonstrated when you follow the leadership of the Spirit who possesses all wisdom. You want to know how to live in wisdom? Follow the one that has all wisdom. That's wise. It's the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Yeah, it's saying I am in awe of you because you know everything. So since you know everything, I'm going your way. You know what's good for me. You know how to bless me. You know how to keep me. You know how to grow me. So Holy Spirit, you are, you, you have the mind, you have a mind and it's filled with all knowledge. All God's knowledge about me. See, Psalm 139 says this. How vast are the sum of the thoughts that you think toward me. If I were to number them, they would outnumber the sand on the seashore. Listen, God's thinking thoughts about you. He has lots of good thoughts about you. He's got lots of, you say, God not thinking about it. yes he is thinking about you and he wants to talk to you about what he's saying about you. Most of the times we live as orphans when all along Jesus said the, the answer to, to stop feeling like an orphan before God is the person of the Holy Spirit. He has all knowledge. Orphans don't have direction from a father, but you do. You do. It's the wisdom of God to follow the possessor of all wisdom through the leadership of the Spirit. Now, the, the last thing that I'm going to share with you today is that not only does he have a will and does he have a mind, but in order to be a full person, you probably have some emotions. Now, some of you, maybe you have less than others. If You're German in here. You're just looking at me stoic. You haven't moved all sir. You finally smiled. Thank you. If you're Italian, you've been talking to me this whole sermon with your hands, okay? Amen. That's awesome. Might be a little bit more emotional. Man, my Latin brothers got some fuego. Amen. But what you need to know about God is that the Holy Spirit, the person, has emotions. I'm going to take you to a very familiar passage, but you probably never thought of it this way. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, that means born again, let us also walk in the Spirit. I want you to understand something. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That means that when the person of the Holy Spirit shows up, the emotion of love comes. It, well, some people say, well, that's just a choice. That's, love is just a choice to obey. Okay, let's move on to the second one, that Joy. The Holy Spirit possesses joy. I love this. It says, in your presence, is what the psalm says, in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has emotions and one of them is joy. For those of you who are a little more somber, you're kind of like glass half full people, I'm just going to share with you this one principle. I put it to work in my life. I tried depressed. I didn't like it. The Holy Spirit moved in, and joy showed up. There is a joy that shows up when the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, the good news about Galatians chapter 5 is that most of us read it completely wrong. Like, we read this, and we say, oh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Man, i got to love more. I'm just going to grit my teeth and love more. And then, you're mad that you don't have love, and you're like... Oh, there goes the joy thing. I need to, I need to, t- uh, where am I? Oh, now I'm mad at myself and oh, I'm not patient with myself. And that's, I got to work on that too. Uh, it could be a frustrating verse if you, if you approach it that way. Uh, let me help you. Uh, you, you read, you, you're reading the Bible with the wrong lens. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is goodness, is faithfulness, is gentleness, is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. You need more love? You need more of the person of the Holy Spirit to move in your life. You need to give Him greater access. You need another infilling of God's Spirit. That's great news. That I can do. If He has joy and He'll move in so I can have joy, amen. If He moves in and I become patient, that is a better plan. I'm not saying that you don't have to agree with it because it does say that believers should have crucified the flesh. It is our flesh that keeps us from walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and these emotions that He he perfectly possesses. Listen, you need to let your flesh die a dusty death. Let that thing stay buried in the grave and live and walk in the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to give you another aspect of the Spirit um, to, to see today that is it, a little bit, it, 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 it's going to be a little bit harder for you to swallow, but I'm going to help you. Ephesians chapter 4 says this: it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit has the emotion of grief. You say, why would the Holy Spirit have the emotion of grief? Now, grief, simply defined, is this. It's the feeling associated with separation or loss. Like when you lose somebody, even as a believer, even if you know that they're in heaven with God, there is grief because you are separated, even if but for a short time, there's a separation that comes, okay? Now, I want to show you the context of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 and show you what the Scripture declares grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to walk you through this, and you're going to begin to understand this one simple thought. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, Therefore put away lying. Let me me say it this way. Lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your son go down on your wrath. Hanging on to anger and offense in your life grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, verse 27, nor give place to the devil. That word place means position of opportunity a place where a foothold says so when you give an opportunity for the devil to work in your life it grieves the holy spirit it grieves the holy spirit let's keep going it says "Let him who stole steal no longer stealing grieves the holy spirit are we getting it but rather let him labor working with his hands Uh, what is good, that he may have something to give who has a need. Let me put it to you this way. Giving produces joy in the Holy Spirit. Not giving grieves the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Not as many amens there. All right. Just saying. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Sometimes the way you talk grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, but only release what is necessary for edification that the hearers may receive or be imparted grace. When you speak words that God is speaking, oh, there is a joy that comes into God's heart. But when you use your words to tear down and to malign people with your mouth or talk behind their back, you become a a busybody or a slanderer or a gossip. Stop it. Especially, don't ever gossip and say, man, we really need to pray about so-and-so. Did you hear You need to look at them and say, I love the joy of the Lord. Don't dump that in these ears. You want to pray, you can pray. I just will not be the bucket that you pour that gossip into. Ooh, yeah, that was freedom. Felt good. The Spirit, listen, possesses these emotions. I want you to understand. Sin either separates you from God as an unbeliever or as a believer, there's a loss of intimacy. You do not lose your salvation when you sin. You simply lose intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't lose your salvation when you sin. That's insanity. You received your salvation by grace through faith. It was the free gift of God. But you can lose intimacy by living self-willed and apart from the person of the Holy Spirit. Believers are often saying, man, I I, I feel like God's a million miles away. Well, what did He tell you to let go of? then why are you hanging on to it? He loves you. He's for you. you. What have you wagered in your mind as worth it when it comes to sin or some area of compromise? God's not a negotiator. He loves it when you're separated and consecrated. It produces intimacy. And if you'll allow Him to lead you, He'll lead you into that kind of life. Now, sin separates us. As an unbeliever, we found that out from the garden that that there was literally a separation that came when Adam Adam and Eve fell into sin. But God was so grieved over sin that He sent His only Son. He bankrupted heaven. He was grieved over the sin and so loved you and I, that He would send His only Son to die on a hill called Golgotha who would be suspended on a cross for six hours hanging between heaven and earth. The one bridge between God and man. The one payment that could make us clean and restore relationship between God and all humanity for those who would place their faith in him sin separates us from god but it doesn't have to anymore if you will simply receive what christ did for you on the cross you will be restored to relationship with god and believers in the room if you'll say yes to the ongoing surgery of sanctification surgery of being set apart for god's purposes in your generation, God says, man, we're going to grow in intimacy. I'm going to tell you secret things. God's going to use you in powerful ways as you simply say, I will be a son of God that is led by the Spirit of God. I want to finish by saying this. The person of the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us, first for unbelievers, to find Christ. And he has been sent to live in a way that glorifies God. That's according to the very first verse that we read, John 14, 16. Unbelievers here today, listen to me. If you repent, that means turn to God. And say, God, I confess my need of you. I give you my life. I believe what you did for me on the cross. The Bible says that you will be saved and this person of the Holy Spirit will move into your life. That's a promise. The old passes away and all things become new. But for those of you who are already born again and have not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's another encounter where you are not only, let's just I'll just use this word, filled with the Spirit, but you are overflowing with the Spirit. And the Spirit is flowing out of you you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come so that you can live in a way empowered for a life that glorify God. Glorified God. And I'm, I want to say this, whether you're being born again or getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, here's the guarantee. You will never be the same again. Never be the same. We need to receive Holy Spirit, the person, and develop a relationship with Him. I hope you've enjoyed this message on the Holy Spirit from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this podcast, and God bless you.